hello and welcome to the doxology podcast my name is jens and i'm lukey luke and this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the christian faith so thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the christian life and the life of christians as we strive for unity amongst Whoa. our diversity as members of Christ's church. So it's Friday. Um, fun fact, it's actually Monday when we're recording, but it's Friday as you're listening to this, or maybe it's in the future because you don't listen on the day that an episode drops. It could be any day, who's to say? Uh, but we're, we're, it's, it's a Friday episode and we're, we're out of Martyr May. Uh, Martyr May was a really fun month. We really enjoyed um, the interactions we had, the episodes we were able to record. And now we're back into our regularly scheduled programming on Fridays where we talk about just regular Christians of history. Maybe they died for their faith. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they, mar- maybe they were martyrs. Maybe they weren't. Today, I, don't, I do not believe we we're talking about a martyr. So, Lucas, why, do, why don't you <laughs> introduce today's <laughs> Christian of history? Yeah, today we are going to be looking at and talking about Reinhold Niebuhr, um, a very significant American figure in terms of American Protestant theology and 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 philosophy. And uh, one of you know, if we're going to look at just in terms of you know kind of the impact that different people we've talked about have had, I, I would say at least for Americans, whether we are aware or not, probably maybe the most or the second most influential Christians of history that we've talked about um, in terms of his impact on religion and especially Protestant Christianity in America. So Reinhold Niebuhr was born on June 21st, 1892 in Missouri um, to parents who had immigrated uh, to America from Germany when they were kids. His father Gustav was a minister in the Evangelical Synod of North America which is a church that I was not familiar with, um, uh, which it, it was a church that came, had sort of reformed and Lutheran roots in Germany and, and this was, was in North America. And then later in, I believe, 1933, that church eventually merged with some other churches into the Evangelical and Reformed Church. Um, and so Gustav uh, Niebuhr, Reinhold's father, was a pastor in this uh, church and... From a young age, Reinhold decided to follow in his father's footsteps, so he attended Elmhurst College, M- wow, Elmhurst College, <laughs> Eden Theological Seminary, and Yale Divinity School. Uh, and then in 1915, he was ordained and began uh, his first, uh, and I believe only pastorate, which was in Detroit. And so he moved. He moved to Detroit. You know, he's he's from Missouri. He you know his last stop and his education was in Yale so he's he's over in Connecticut and he um uh travels to Detroit where he serves as a pastor and here he's, he he kind of comes face to face with what he was sort of raised and trained in and real life kind of come crashing together so this at this time early 20th century um theological liberalism protestant liberalism was was quite characteristic of much theology that was going on at the time um and reinhold had had grown up amongst that and he had also been trained and educated amongst all that um so he he had a much more liberal and idealist sort of approach before coming to serve as a pastor but while he's serving as a pastor in detroit he's he's seeing the experiences of 
um, the urban workers in the automotive industry in Detroit, which was, of course, at this time booming, still relatively young. And this is before there are, you know, before unions and, and labor laws had had really implemented any sort of protections for workers um, in industry. And he goes through this a little bit of a shift socially and theologically, um, which results in him um, not only sort of turning to critique uh, the theological liberalism that he had known, which we'll see a more about in a little bit, um, but also sort of shifting in his in his um, social views as well. Um, he, because of what he he witnesses and was a part of, he he developed a strong critique against capitalism. He joined the the Socialist Party, um, which he would eventually go on to. Even in the 30s, he he actually ran for office a few times on the socialist ticket, um, which is kind of a interesting little fact. Um, Eventually, uh, in 1928, he left his pastorate to teach at Union Theological Seminary in New York City. Um, Pretty significant, uh, you know, kind of prestigious theological seminary name. Um, Fun fact, my my grandma actually lives like a block away from Union, I think, Um, or that might be an exaggeration, but real close. and so he, he goes to teach there. He spent most of his career there teaching applied Christianity. He was there all the way up until he retired in 1960, I believe. Um, and it was at this time, sort of during his career as a, as a teacher, more so than his career as a pastor, where he started to become more well-known specifically for um, what he called Christian realism, which is sort of the, the theological and philosophical framework that he develops and um, is, is well known for today. Um, and he, this was sort of a response to those tendencies of idealism, uh, in Protestant liberalism, both in terms of the social impact of that theology, as well as the actual theological beliefs themselves. Um, and the, the sort of foundational doctrine that really serves and sort of underpins all of Christian realism is this emphasis on taking seriously the effects of sin uh, in the world and on humanity, um, which was really just the exact opposite of, of much of Protestant liberalism at the time. Um, and what, what Niebuhr is really seeing and uh, emphasizing in his thought and writing is that because sin is something that is is real it's serious um evil is constantly a threat to to us as humans and that's true whether we're talking theologically politically socially whatever sphere of life we're 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 talking about or looking at um because of sin evil is a is a is a real and present danger as well as just something that is truly in the world that that we experience as people um and his his christian realism and his his theological reflections were really um uh emphasizing those impacts and and how to deal with those effects right um he wasn't just you know depressed sitting in a corner saying you know there's so much sin but he was saying we can't ignore this we can't just pretend as if we can just you know be on this constant road of progress towards perfection under our own power. Um, but what we need to do is deal with the problems that exist, like what he saw in Detroit with the, with, um, with the labor movements there and, 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 and deal with these, uh, 
realistically, Christian realism. I, I think it's a really good title for his perspective and way of thinking. Um, so as a result of the work he's doing, he, he became associated with the neo-Orthodox movement, um, some other big figures um, that are traditionally sort of associated with that would be like Karl Barth and Emil Brunner and, and some others. Um, and he, Niebuhr, I mean, is, is seeking to revive Reformation theology, particularly this emphasis on sin and grace, um, which really had a, like, probably impossible to overstate how big of an impact that had on American religious thinking and theology many like really significant figures later in american history um, were influenced by reinhold niebuhr and his thought including martin luther king who said that niebuhr's theology was a rebuttal of quote the false optimism characteristic of a great segment of protestant liberalism um and keep in mind martin luther king was also raised and trained in this milieu of protestant liberalism um I believe it was, was it Harvard that he got his PhD from? Like, you know, no stranger to liberalism himself in terms of his education and such. Um, and beyond theologically, Niebuhr also had a really big impact socially and politically. And we, we kind of see this in his, in his earlier life and his career, this sort of theological side, but also activist political side. Um, they're kind of running parallel as he's elaborating on this Christian realism. Um, one of the ways that, that we see this is he, he originally, as a result of World War I, was a pacifist. Um, but he kind of, in the, in the, in the run-up during the 30s to World War II, he ended up shifting his views and, and became a strong critic of pacifism. And he actually ended up leaving the Socialist Party that he was a part of because of their um, commitment to pacifism during the pre-war era. He opposed pacifism on the grounds that he he saw the issue being any sort of claim that there is a universal solution to any problem that 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 is nonviolent that there's always going to be a nonviolent way to address any sort of political or international issue and to him the threat that hitler posed represented a threat that you could not solve um nonviolently um but this isn't to say that he was just some sort of you know warmonger or anything like that um again is more of a realism thing christian realism because after the war he opposed really harsh peace settlements to be imposed on the axis powers um and it's interesting to see sort of like some of the things that he um was involved with politically um he, he came to have a really big influence in the actual state department and in the government um his voice was was pretty uh, influential, and some of the policies and 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 ideas that he uh, was known for, you can kind of see like some of them feel very right wing, some of them feel more left wing, and and I think it goes back to that commitment to the recognizing the importance of sin, and then seeking to realistically address those problems. So, for example, he was um, a supporter of the U.S. policies against Soviet expansion while at the same time criticized the sort of uh, you know, self-righteous view that many had that America represents some sort of perfect special nation or some sort of messianic nation for the world. Um, 
And he was also an early supporter of the U.S. recognizing um, communist China as a nation following their revolution, as well as an early opponent of the Vietnam War. Um, so you kind of get this, uh, he doesn't necessarily fit in our modern boxes super well when we look back at this Cold War period of history. He's, he's a little bit more elusive. Um, going back to his more academic career, he was the editor of a number of different journals at different points throughout his life and the author of many, many books. Um, and he, in, even down to the popular level, had a really, really enormous influence on American thought and American life. Um, perhaps you're familiar with the serenity prayer that's used by um, 12-step programs like Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I forget exactly how it goes. Give me the, the, the strength to change that which I can, the peace to, to know what I, or the, the peace to not be able to change what I can't change and the, the wisdom to, you know, tell the difference. Um, that He wrote that, um, and it's definitely one of those, like, it's kind of entered just into our common cultural uh, thinking, even even beyond being associated with his name. Um, and to give you an idea of how, how significant he was on a, a, even a popular level, um, whether people were liking him or not liking him, in 1948, he was on the cover of Time magazine. <laughs> um, and, and he didn't die till the 70s. So that's, you know, he's, he still had a lot of career left in terms of his writing. Um, but he, he, he was on the cover of Time magazine in, in March of 1948. So uh, a really significant uh, figure and, and, and something that I always find fascinating. He also had um, another very famous, significant theologian brother named H. Richard Niebuhr, who maybe we'll do another day, but um, quite a compelling family and certainly a very fascinating and compelling figure in Reinhold Niebuhr. Um, and, and yeah, I think that uh, we would do well to recover i think some of the aspects of his thought when it comes to how we interact with 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 the world in such a politically charged culture as we have today not to say that you know things weren't charged during world war ii or whatever but um i do think that some of some of niebuhr's ideas could perhaps serve us well in this day and age as well so uh you know i'll kind of just leave that for you to judge but um that in a nutshell is reinhold niebuhr all right well, thank you, Lucas, and, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you would like to connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. Uh, you're always welcome to shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We welcome your feedback, questions, episode ideas, uh, ideas for Christians of history. Who do you want to hear about? Who do you want to learn about? Uh, but we'd just love to hear from you. So have a good rest of your day. Enjoy the weekend. Peace.